conversation. Welcome to Peace On, your source for inspiring conversations and information from thought leaders on topics related to peace building, equity, justice, and personal peace. Tonight's National Peace Builder podcast features guests from the King Center for Nonviolent Social Change. And when you go to their website, I love how, what you first see. It starts with me cultivating a beloved community mindset to transform unjust systems. And the King Center has offered anyone from our network who wants to take the Nonviolence 365 training a $50 discount if you sign up by midnight Eastern time tonight. And uh, our guests tonight are from the King Center, Dr. Elizabeth Rosner, who you see in the, the bold colored background, and uh, Dr. Tori Dudley. I think we're still waiting on Dr. Dudley, but I'll introduce both of them uh, a, little, a little later. Here she is, yeah. Oh, good, good, good. So my name is Kathy Kidd. I'm your facilitator for tonight's podcast, and Deanne Tate will be co-facilitating. Let me welcome Dr. Dudley. Welcome, Dr. Dudley. Hi. You're on mute, Dr. Dudley. Perfect. Off mute. Thank you guys so much for having us. It's a pleasure. Yes, to you're welcome. I'll introduce both of you in a, in a short while. Great. Uh, so tonight's call is being recorded and we're also live streaming on Facebook and you can go to Facebook and like us if you have not already done so just search for the Peace Alliance on Facebook and at the Peace Alliance we focus on six areas of peace building community peace building humanizing justice systems fostering international peace practicing peace in schools cultivating personal peace and advocating for a cabinet level department of peace building and we'll have a department of peace building update shortly. But before we continue, Deanne and I are going to share with you our community agreements. The Peace Alliance holds the intention in our gatherings of creating a space that is welcome to all for listening, learning, open conversation and engagement. To that end, we ask that everyone be real or be authentic, engaged and curious and fully present to listen. And uh, as you can see on the screen, we've shared the uh, agreements. So um, Deanne, do you wanna take the next? Yeah, so welcome everybody. I'm so glad to see everybody here. And yes, I am screen sharing. Um, and uh, so we've got our community agreements up on the screen. I hope everybody can see them. Um, so the third focus point that we have in our community agreements is uh, to create space for learning, honor all points of view, acknowledge discomfort, and allow room for healing. So um, most of this is pretty self-explanatory. We really just want to create a space where we, um, we, we understand that the word respect, that could mean different things for different folks. So that's why we don't use that word necessarily. But we, we do want to honor all points of view um, for folks that are in the room and uh, acknowledge if, you know, if you're feeling any kind of discomfort during the course of the, of the call for any reason, you can feel free to, to bring that into the space or you could private message me in the chat or Kathy in the chat and let us know that you're feeling um, some sort of way and we will do our best to, to help you manage that. Uh, Kathy, you want to talk about the fourth focus point? Yeah, so just to say a little bit about more, more about what you said, we're going to do our best to address microaggressions and marginalizing language 
And to that end, we ask that everyone present act with empathy, compassion, and a desire for connection. And uh, anything else you want to say to wrap this up, Deanne? Uh, I don't think so. Um, you know, I know that um, uh, some folks, you know, may have different ideas about microaggressions and marginalizing language. And um, again, we want to honor, you know, any questions that folks have. So feel free to drop those in the chat. Um, and uh, we're just really excited to have everybody here today. And um, and we're so glad you're here with us. And, and just as we close the community agreements, I just want to um, take time to, to ask for um, uh, consent for everybody that's in the room. So I can see everybody's beautiful faces on the screen. And I just would ask everyone to give a thumbs up if you agree to, to honor the community agreements here. Um, you can give a thumbs up. If you don't, you can give a thumbs down or a thumb sideways if you have questions. I do see some folks have their cameras turned off. So I would invite you just to turn your camera on briefly enough to let us know that you have consent or you can use your reactions to give us a thumbs up. Just waiting for Jana and Charlie. Jim, did we, I don't know if I saw your, your consent. Did we do a thumbs up or a thumbs down or? I'm not sure that Jim can hear me. Jana and Charlie, can you hear me? Uh, Jana said, okay. Oh, I see it in the chat. Thank you. Mm -hmm. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you, everybody. I appreciate that. And again, um, feel free to to, um, to give us any questions in the chat that you may have during the course of the, of the call. Over to you, Kathy. Wonderful. Thank you, Deanne. So Kendra Mon is going to give us an update on, on the Department of Peacebuilding legislation, and then I'll introduce our speakers. Uh, Kendra has been a supporter of the Department of Peacebuilding since 2005 currently serves on the National Peacebuilding Committee, shares leadership on the Grassroots Network Committee, and is Secretary of the Global Alliance for Ministries and Infrastructures for Peace, a busy woman. Thank you. Um, so we have our DOP and Peace Alliance Advocacy Days coming up in this, the Spring Advocacy, Advocacy Days are when we go to DC and members of Congress and their staffs. Um, and they're May 8th through 10th. And we also support other legislation besides the Department of Peacebuilding Act. There are uh, 31 co-sponsors right now of the Department of Peacebuilding Act. And um, we're adding more all the time. There are 12 confirmed meetings that we're going to have uh, in Congress with members of Congress or their staff. And you can still join us in person or you can join some meetings by Zoom. You can amplify our voices with calls and emails and you'll see links in the chat for more information. Um, and also this Saturday at 9 p.m., 9 a.m. Pacific and 12 noon Eastern is our Advocate Days training. Uh, and so you can find that on the Peace Alliance calendar. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Kendra. 
All right, so I'm gonna introduce our board chair and Dr. Rosner and Dr. Dudley and uh, our board chair, Liz gannon Graydon, will start the discussion. Uh, so Liz gannon Graydon uh, serves as the board chair of the Peace Alliance. She's also co-founder and president of What Better Looks Like. Inspired by her work as a middle school teacher, the mission of What Better Looks Like is to foster the development of beloved community. For 10 years, Liz has hosted a weekly tea party in New York's Bryant Park, where all are welcome to gather and share tea, treats, and an experience of beloved community, tea, T-E-A. <laughs> Little play on words there. And Dr. Elizabeth Rosner, uh, after retiring from higher education, founded a college coaching practice called Thriving with Dr. Roz, teaching students to graduate fully debt-free using her proven grit blueprint strategies, uh, G-R-I-T. Elizabeth attended her first training with the King Center in April 2018 and immediately became devoted to Dr. King's philosophy and methodology of nonviolence. Elizabeth states that nonviolence has impacted every facet of her life and her mission is to incorporate nonviolence into schools and universities, joining other practitioners across the globe to create the beloved community. And on her LinkedIn, I love what she has. She is cultivating 8 billion non-violence practitioners worldwide with the Be Love Pledge and is a non-violence 365 certified trainer. She doesn't think small. Dr. Tori Dudley is the Director of Nonviolence 365 Education and Training at the King Center for Nonviolent Social Change. She's a practitioner of organizational psychology with a career in psychology that expands across 15 years and includes work in the corporate world, nonprofit, and international settings. Uh, she's consulted in the areas of organizational development, organizational assessment, change management, training design and facilitation, leadership development, and DEI. I had to practice, that was so much, I had to practice saying that a few times so I wouldn't, wouldn't uh, mess up. Uh, she holds a PhD in international psychology from the Chicago School and postdoctorate credentialing in executive coaching from the University of Miami. And she currently serves as adjunct fa faculty in the graduate psychology department at the University of West Alabama. And so Liz Gannon Graydon, our board chair, is going to offer a connecting quote, and then she'll start our discussion. So over to you, Liz. Thank you, everyone, for being here. And by way of just starting the evening and bringing us into the room together, I'd like everybody to just look around. One thing I love about Zoom is you can look at everybody's faces at once. And as we're just connecting with one another, I wanted to offer one of my favorite uh, it's it's longer than a quote, right? Lengthy quotes from Dr. King about the interconnected nature of reality. So as we sit here connecting with one another and about to embark on this journey, I'd just like to share those words as we look around at all the faces in the room. It really boils down to this, that all of life is interrelated. We are all caught in an inescapable network of mutuality tied into a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. We are made to live together because of the interrelated structure of reality. 
Did you ever stop to think that you can't leave for your job in the morning without be de being dependent on most of the world? You get up in the morning and go to the bathroom and reach over for a sponge, and that's handed to you by a Pacific Islander. You reach for a bar of soap, and that is given to you at the hands of a Frenchman. And then you go to the kitchen to drink your coffee for the morning, and that is poured into your cup by a South American. And maybe you want tea. That is poured into your cup by a Chinese. Or maybe you're desirous of having cocoa for breakfast, and that is poured into your cup by a West African. Then you reach for your toast, and that's given to you at the hands of an English-speaking farmer, not to mention the baker. And before you finish eating breakfast in the morning, you have depended on more than half the world. This is the way our universe is structured. This is its interrelated quality. We aren't going to have peace on earth until we recognize this basic fact of the interrelated structure of all of reality. So welcome everyone. <laughs> As I, as I was thinking about how to begin this part of the call, one of the reasons we're meeting tonight is to honor and mark the birthday of Coretta Scott King. And I wanted to start with a quote that I thought was interesting, first, because I hadn't really heard it before, and it spoke to the work we're about to embark upon. And Coretta Scott King once said, what most did not understand was that I was not only married to the man I loved, I was also married to the movement that I loved. And what I love about that quote is it speaks to the movement. And too many people who haven't really been exposed to a deep training in nonviolence tend to equate nonviolence and, and the movement for nonviolence to Dr. King solely, right? That's the name that comes. And what I love about the training as, as it's been presented is how important the movement was, how rich and deep and broad the movement for nonviolence was. And what I've experienced so far of the training is, is so powerful in expressing that. And so we're so grateful to you. And what I would like to offer Dr. Oz and, doc, and Dr. Dudley is one of my favorite parts of the opening that really connected me uh, to the people and the trainers and the stories. One of uh, two of my teachers of peace building both said some version of the fastest way to change the world is to change the stories that we tell. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that so moved me was when each person shared their story of pilgrimage. What was their own personal pilgrimage that brought them to this moment? So I would invite each of you, if you want to speak in a few words about, or a few moments, take the time you want to share with us here, what were the important parts of your pilgrimage that brought you to this moment and to this work? And when that's complete, uh, anyone who's on the call who has questions of any of us can offer them. So Dr. Roz, would you like to start? And when you're complete, Absolutely. Dr. Dudley. Yeah. I'd be honored to. I'd be honored to. Uh, thank you, uh, Peace Alliance family. Uh, I say that every time and I mean it wholeheartedly. Uh, you all are family and uh, I just love being with you. Um, my pilgrimage is quite interesting. Uh, as you all can see, I am white. I grew up in Georgia. 
I grew up and even currently live um, not too far from the King Center, and I didn't even know it existed until 2018. So it is entirely possible, and there are a lot of white faces on, on the screen today. It is entirely possible for us to stay in our white bubble and never challenge the stories that were told and never try to um, think about and critically think about um, the things that, that were taught that perhaps um, isn't exactly true. And uh, my great-grandfather fought in the Civil War and I, I was raised to be uh, very proud of my heritage, um, that the Confederate flag was heritage, not hate, you know, all the things. And so uh, I read Cornell West, Race Matters, and that completely opened my mind. However, I did not encounter that book until my Ph.D., so it took all of that time for me to read something, to think about, yes, I did graduate high school in the last millennium uh, from a high school that was 50% Black, and my college prep classes were absolutely not 50% Black. And so it just started me on this journey of what I call unlearning and relearning. And so I started following the King Center on Twitter uh, in uh, like January of 2018, and they advertised that there would be a two-day orientation there at the King Center to Martin Luther King's philosophy of nonviolence. And I signed up. And the minute I was there and hearing the philosophy, um, I have a mentor that says our identity is where we put the dent in the universe. And I knew sitting there in April 2018 that my dent was to teach nonviolence around the world for the rest of my life. And I had no idea what that was going to look like, uh, no idea how that might manifest. In August of 2018, I get an email from Dr. Bernice King. She is our CEO and the youngest daughter of Coretta Scott King and, and Dr. King. And, you know, we all get emails from famous people, you know, and it said, Dear Elizabeth. Oh, I'm sure she wrote that. Right. And so I keep reading it and it says, I am being asked to teach my father's philosophy around the world. I'm assembling a training team. Are you interested? And I was like, who says no to Dr. Bernice King? Yes, ma'am. Yes, I will be there. Yes, absolutely. And I get there to the training. I don't know if she's asked 100 people or 1,000 people. There are 10 certified trainers, three senior trainers, and Dr. Bernice King. There are 14 of us in the world. And so uh, we have truly taught all over the world, and I am delighted to be a part of the, the training team. I also was the uh, project manager over the course that you all are going to be going through. And so got to sit in on all those interviews and uh, got to <laughs> herd cats a little bit when, you know, you're trying to get everybody's uh, schedules together. We had days where it was literally eight hours nine hours of us going through content and, and all discussing it and talking about it and wrestling with it and figuring it out. And so it is a beautiful, beautiful culmination of um, really just I, I, countless number of people. And, um, you know, the thing about interconnectedness, and so I love that quote that you brought up. And also I love your logo because we are all interconnected. And so the thing that I love about interconnectedness is that um, I did not get here on my own, that I'm standing on the shoulders of so many. And also I am intentionally saying, come join, 
please come be a part of the beloved community. Please come study nonviolence. And um, it is it is um, that trajectory that um, that I am just, as I said, delighted to be here with you all. And also that invitation to say, come alongside. I think at some point uh, we may actually be looking for additional trainers. So I'll just go ahead and say that it is my hope that some of you may go through the training and, and also be so devoted that you too would like to teach around the world. So that's just a little snippet of my pilgrimage. And um, I'm going to stay on with you all until uh, after your meeting is over. So if anybody has additional questions. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to our beloved director of Nonviolence 365. Here's the other thing about family. When you, when you have people that are heart-centered, when they are focused on cultivating the beloved community, then even though I have only known this lady for four weeks, it feels like I have known her for 40 years. And I am delighted to introduce our director of MV365, Dr. Tori Dudley. Thank you. Dr. Roz is, is, is such an integral part to the King Center. Um, and if you know of the work of Dr. King and of Nonviolence 365, You've heard of Dr. Rosner. Uh, so one of the larger privileges in this role has been working with her. Um, I really appreciate that question, uh, my pilgrimage, how I get got here to this work in nonviolence. And for me, um, on a higher level, it's rooted in social advocacy. And that pilgrimage, I will be very honest, I have been carried specifically by Black women. Uh, this is not work that I set out to do. I'm, that interesting uh, wordy uh, bio that you guys listen to, you can hear there's a lot of corporate lingo in there. And, and a big part of my training has been in corporate consulting. And that's what I've done over the years. But I've always gotten pulled into this work specifically by Black women um, who uh, would task me with doing something. And I would always kind of yield back and say, okay, I'll, I'll be behind the lines um, while you guys do that front-facing advocacy work. And I am attempting to do that at the King Center uh, as I continue to tell my boss, Dr. Graves and Dr. King, uh, I'll do the organizational psych stuff. You guys go and be on the front lines. Um, but specifically, it's always been a call from Black women who have said, Tori, there's something that needs to be done. I need you to take your skill set in this place and do it. And at times I've looked at it from an academic or professional standpoint. Um, but what I will say is this is a space where I've always felt seen. Doing corporate work, I did not always feel seen. Uh, but social advocacy and nonviolence work, I feel seen for who I am. Uh, so as much as I pretend like this is not my home, I think that I might just be settling in. Uh, my pilgrimage has not been long. I'm about four years in. Uh, so like many of you have had a long career uh, uh, in this arena, I'm just starting out, but I am so, so grateful to be sharing space and to be uh, in the company of all of you. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Raz and Dr. Dudley. Um, I know that Kathy and Karen were going to facilitate. If, if anyone has any questions, uh, feel free to raise your hand. Yeah, or even thoughts that you've been thinking about embarking on this program, whatever you'd like to share right now. Yeah. Certainly logistical questions if you have them. Yeah. I'll share. Uh, I've started the training and what I love is that uh, Coretta Scott King is given um, her due. And uh, she wasn't the woman behind the man. She was the woman beside the man. And sometimes she was leading, sometimes he was leading. 
So I think I think that's just so important to know that. And then uh, just to get the full picture, because I've heard bits and pieces, you know, of everything that happened, right? But it's just all coming together in a way that I understand it better than I have before. So I think the thing that has been most important for me so far is the, uh, her place in history. So since it's her birthday, I want to speak that out. And as you mentioned, uh, today is her birthday, her 96th birthday, and Dr. Dudley and I were there at the center today uh, in um, conjunction with Hulu. Um, uh, they are, uh, they have commissioned a beautiful, um, an artist who has rendered um, three different commemorations. And so uh, Mrs. King's was uh, dedicated today, and then Marjorie Summon Douglas and Ruth Bader Ginsburg are the other two. And we got to hear from um, one, the CEO of the uh, animation corporation that um, is putting together the cartoons for these three ladies. And it was just such a phenomenal experience. And when you walk into it's it, it looks sort of like a like a chapel, actually. And the and the top of it is filigree and it has roses, but there's a rose named after Mrs. King. And so the mosaic tile on the floor of the monument is laid out in the shape of her rose. And it's like coral and pink and beautiful. And I was thinking I need to I took some pictures and I was going to try to send them to Karen to um, send those out to everybody. And then I thought, well, just go follow the King Center on <laughs> on all the socials and you'll see much better pictures and there's a video there and uh Yolanda Renee was there which is um Dr. King and Mrs. King's only grand only grandchild and uh she was there and cut the ribbon and so it was just a lovely commemoration of Mrs. King and um and all that she means to each one of us honestly yeah Who else would like to speak into the room? I just thought I'd say I'm, I'm just at the beginning stages of the coursework, but I was struck by some of the things that I don't remember hearing uh, way back when about some of the um, individual or, or short-term movements, the things that happened in the movement and what um, preceded them and the effect that they had afterwards. So I just really appreciating that. and. You know, it causes me to wonder, I know we've got a lot of controversy over what children are learning in schools right now. And, and I know this program is just a little over a year old online for the King Center. Um, are there thoughts or connections with schools that somehow this can be offered to, to people growing up and, and learning about the significance of this work? Do you want to answer that, Dr. Dudley, or do you want me to? Absolutely. So a large part of our programming is infiltrated into schools. Um, NV365 informs all that we do, um, but Dr. King, Dr. Graves, all of those who focus on our programmatic aspects and our content and educational aspects, make sure that we're breaking it down so that it's reaching children since they really are kind of the foundation that we're attempting to lay for the future. So we have our beloved uh, Leadership Academy, which is K through 12. And then we also have Students with the King, um, which if I'm not mistaken, that's ages five, is that five through? Elementary. 
through elementary, right? Um, but absolutely. So, so Dr. King has been very specific. Um, there was a time when in V365, she had concerns about how this nonviolence education and content was translating. So a lot of work uh, has been put into making sure that it's applicable, understandable, uh, and, and relevant uh, to students and, and people, to my understanding, from age five and up. Great, thank you. I'd just like to add, I, I spent 17 years as a middle school teacher and I'm really grateful that that's happening because it's such a rich program. And I know that, I know that, that, that it will really uh, be transformative. Uh, from a programmatic standpoint, um, our, our beloved Leadership Academy touches uh, more people across the world uh, than any other program. So I believe it was last year, 700,000 students worldwide were introduced to King and nonviolence. So we tend to trend between 700,000 and a million. Um, hopefully we'll, we'll push beyond that. Um, but students happen to be, uh, for us, thankfully a low hanging fruit. We have a better chance at capturing them than any other demographic. So we're grateful. Great. Yes, I'll go ahead. Well, let me just one quick, uh, Deanne. So Dr. Dudley or um, Dr. Rosner, for the podcast, would you share just like a, a few tips or a few um, remarks about the progression and logistics of the Nonviolence 365 training? I'm going to uh, yield that to our certified trainer, uh, who we're so fortunate to have. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Dudley. Great question. So um, you're talking about the training that we do that is live and on Zoom. Is that what you mean, Kathy? Uh, the, yeah, no, the one, yeah, the one we're all taking. Oh, the course that you all are taking. Uh -huh. Okay. So, uh, so yes, the course is asynchronous. It is uh, digital and self-paced. It is um, rooted in the curriculum that Mrs. Coretta Scott King wrote back in uh, late 70s, early 80s. And uh, we've expanded it. And obviously, it's um, about 16 to 18 hours of content. And so something more than you would have gotten uh, if you had you come to the King Center. Um, what I love about it, and it's what I love about nonviolence, is that um, nonviolence is both a philosophy and a methodology. So it is deeply rooted in theory. And um, as you go through, particularly Dr. King's uh, pilgrimage, where he talks about all the different philosophers, um, it's also a practice. And it's not something only that worked back then, but it's a practice that we can practice today. In addition to the course that you all are going through, we also, in January of this year, launched what we're calling the Workplace Edition. And so it's three and a half hours of content. So it's what you all are going through condensed. All of the examples in there are, are based in the workplace. And we are rolling that out to large organizations, um, institutions of higher ed. We're working with one institution who um, they are going to have all of their onboarding faculty staff go through the workplace edition. And their goal is for every faculty staff on campus to have gone through it over the next five years. And so um, they want to become a beloved community college campus. And so there's all these different ways that we can apply it and um, and think about the different, the different ways where Number one, it does, it starts with me, like you all said on the website, it starts with me. So it's being love-centered. And what does that mean if I'm being love-centered with uh, the person? Like the, the other day, I flew to Colorado 
And um, I was going through the stanchions. I live in Atlanta, for those of you that didn't hear me say that earlier. And Atlanta is, you know, not a tiny little little regional airport. It's, you know, it's a deal. And so I was going through security and um, I'm 5'2 and, you know, going through the stanchions. Well, somebody, the person in front of me had really long legs and they had gotten really far ahead of me. And I could feel this person behind me. And she was a very tall woman. And so she, she was muttering under her breath and she was saying like ugly words, like called me the B word, B, get out of my way, whatever. And so I got to one of the the curbs and I just pulled me and my, my carry on over and I said, go on ahead. And so she marched, you know, and got right up to that next person. And of course I'm still short, so I'm still trying to catch up to her, but eventually I did. And she turned to me and she said, I am so sorry. And I said, you know what? It is stressful. It's, it's, you know, flying is always stressful. And then she was crying and she said, my grandmother would be so embarrassed of me right now. And I said, can I give you a hug? And so I just hugged her. That is nonviolence in me because Elizabeth probably did not want to graciously step aside. But when you live it day in, day out, when you are love centered, when you can get out of your head enough to know this person is probably so stressed out wherever she's heading, whatever she's doing. And her words to me were not about me. And so um, I probably brought it on a little bit longer than uh, what you all were asking. But I, uh, I, for me, that that's, that's really the bottom line is NB 365, practice it day in, day out, every day. It is truly a way of life. Mm, beautiful. Oh. That was heart-centering, that little story you told. Thank you. Deanne, did you want to contribute? Well, I just wanted to share a little bit. I have not started the the course yet. and uh, But I just wanted to bring into the space uh, that I had a lovely conversation with a group of folks uh, a little earlier today. Um, one of them has, has joined us here tonight, so I'm happy to see Margot. Um, and uh, the gentleman that I spoke with mostly was um, a, a person who had come to this country from Afghanistan, um, and he had been doing peace work in Afghanistan, um, and uh, he working with, um, he calls them lecturers, instead of teachers um, at the university level uh, in peace studies. And, and it just it just reminded me of how important it is to think about, to go through life thinking about things through that nonviolent lens. Um, because he was even, it struck me, he was even speaking about how could he teach peace building skills to the Taliban. Um, who, you know, as a group had terrorized himself and his family and his loved ones and his neighbors. Um, but he, he, he thought, um, and I'm paraphrasing and hopefully doing his words justice, Margo, you can correct me if I get something wrong. Um, but what struck me is that he talked about how, um, how it would inevitably, how he believed it would inevitably change the um the systematic systematic structure of the Taliban if he was able to reach out to members of um of that group and teach these principles. Um and uh I just thought that was so beautiful and uh wanted to bring that into the space because it was such a it was such a lovely conversation. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. This is the difficult work, right? Loving those that um, we feel threatened by or um, we think they're not peaceful, right? How are we ever going to change them? It seems impossible. And they think the same of us. Who else would like to speak into the room? Yes, RJ. Hi. Thank you. Um, thank you both for being here with us and, and taking us on this journey. I appreciate that. And I'm just uh, relaying a story this morning. I One of my assignments was to listen to a board of supervisors meeting. And in the midst of the meeting, one of the supervisors started getting very emotional and calling names to another supervisor. And, and I was sitting there thinking of this work and thinking, you know, not only do we need it for our children, we obviously need it even in our public officials. And so having this conversation of how we are, how we share dignity, how, you know, as Dr. Roz mentioned, how we're able to, to take a breath and not take it personally and step aside. You know, I, I just feel like that it aligns with a lot of the things that I've been working on on myself already. So I'm looking forward to continuing that journey. So so just mm -hmm. happy to be in this community and uh, looking forward to this. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you, RJ. Who else would like to share? Well, as long as we had a pause, I thought I might bring up that uh, one of the people will get out right to you, Judy, this won't take long um, from the network had asked what was the uh, age recommendation for this coursework. So we had asked Dr. Raz and, and that is high school students and older. So if anybody um, has some high school students in their life that they think might benefit from it, see if you can sign them up before midnight tonight, <laughs> midnight Eastern time. <laughs> Go ahead, Judy. Um, it, when uh, actually when Deanne was sharing, um, it brought up a memory of mine uh, regarding uh, we've been uh, advocating for Depart U.S. Department of Peace for a really long, long time. And years ago, some of us were in Washington at a, a lobby day situation, and um, I was in an elevator with a woman named Lynn McMullen, and we were going up to one of, I think, I can't remember, I think it was a braver building up the elevator and in came um, three military men, generals and current, a colonel and a gen, two generals. And so, the, of course, we had the opportunity to have the quick elevator speech. We asked them what they were here for. And it was some, you know, um, budget issue that they were doing, uh, advocating for the military. And then they politely reciprocated and asked what we were doing. And we said, well, we're here to advocate for a U.S. Department of Peace. And uh, they kind of took a little <laughs> back. And, and I think Lynn continued to tell a little bit about what the bill was about and all that. And uh, we got to where we, they, the elevator stopped and these three gentlemen marched out um, and then the wonderful thing was when the last one left, he turned around, he said, you better hurry up. And I, I've, I love that story. I love that story for so many 
reasons. Um, but I, it made me think about just what you were saying, RJ, about uh, you know we need it in our, our our city councils and in our government, and we need it in the military. And and I was just curious: has the King Center done anything or and exchanged any information with the war colleges in the military or the the academies? I would think that would be a really interesting thing to work on. Um, mm. And I'd be interested in, in looking into that because I think um, so many uh, military, my husband's an ex-Vietnam vet and, um, you know, they go and they really do want peace and what they're, they're, they're asked to do is something quite different. Um, and they're trained to do something quite different and that all has to change. You know, we all have to, we have to have, go back to um, the old view of a Department of Defense and what that really means. Um, so I'm, I'm very inspired to take your course. I've done the first couple of videos and the, the quality and um, the information that is that I've seen so far has been very impressive. And um, I'm anxious to do the course and meet more people who are working on this issue in all ways, because it, it's it's so needed and so being called for in our consciousness, but also in our actions. So thank you, ladies, for being here and kicking this off, kind of starting us on our journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you, Judy. You're so welcome. Yeah. Hmm. So uh, there's a question in the chat uh, is that from you, Deanne? Because I'm not sure how to, exactly uh, how to what you're speaking of. Maybe you can ask it in a way that might make better sense than if I ask it. Sure. Um, uh, well, I think I, I just was curious if either Dr. Roz or Dr. Dudley or or both could speak to um, Dr. Ross, when you were telling your story about your journey of getting to this work, you were talking about your background and how you grew up in the bubble that you were in and, and when that bubble burst. And, um, I find sometimes that, that, that there's a, that there's an assumption that nonviolent work means that, or nonviolent communication or not anything nonviolent, um, means that no one will ever feel uncomfortable, <laughs> that, that it has this correlation to happiness and love and peace. And, and it does have a correlation to all of those things. But I wonder if, if either one of you might want to, might be open to speaking to the role that discomfort can play sometimes in our journeys of 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 this work and and how we can how non how how the two things are not mutually exclusive i guess is my is my question yes yeah dr dudley do you want to start or do you want me to start yeah i i, I will briefly kick us off with uh the principle within nv365 king and nonviolence that speaks about the role that suffering plays which which is the principle that most people have a hard time with. Um, so from a Kingian philosophy perspective, not only is there not an anticipation that there won't be discomfort, um, if we're truly asserting ourselves into uh, nonviolence um, as a methodology, you, you are to a degree accepting the fact that there will be some discomfort in that process. And I will yield it to our certified trainer. 
<laughs> yeah, I uh, I often hear this as well. And so um, there's there's also uh, sort of that other side of that. I, I think what you're saying, uh, Deanne, is more like a kumbaya. Everybody just get along. And uh, and Dr. King talks about um, true peace is not merely the absence of tension, but it's the presence of justice. And so if you think about like when Liz was teaching in the middle school, and so if two people were fighting and if Liz said, okay, separate and, you know, you go sit here and you go sit here, that's peaceful because they're not currently fighting, but that's not true peace because they're not reconciled. And so reconciliation is always our end goal, the creating the cultivating of the beloved community. That's ultimately our goal. And then while we're getting there, yes, we are going to have discomfort. And actually, even in the beloved community, we will have conflict. So conflict, perhaps, and discomfort, that can kind of go together too, but that we will resolve it peacefully. And so it's not this kumbaya kind of moment. It's it's a, a very um a very uh strat it's a strategy when you're looking at going through these steps where the sixth step is reconciliation. And it's not just okay, we're just gonna get along. It is true getting to the root of things and saying, let's come together as as brothers and sisters. And it's um it's a win-win. You know, another another one of our principles is that uh, nonviolence seeks to defeat injustice, not people. And, um, you know, if you go back and look at my uh, Twitter feed before 2018, <laughs> I might not have been practicing nonviolence in that. And, you know, even in that, it's just like, you know, you want to kind of clap back at somebody and then mm, backspace, 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 you know, even in those little things. And uh, and in the big things. And so, yes, the discomfort and there's there's discomfort within yourself because you're you're bumping up against whatever you've been taught. And then there's discomfort in in the world. Like nobody in the world says love all eight billion people on the planet. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody in the world is pretty much saying, you know, are you a D or an R and you need to pick a side and then you need to be against whatever side you're you're facing. When in actuality, all 8 billion of us are are all interconnected, like the, the quote that we started off with. And so um, looking at that discomfort and saying thank you to that, and here's an opportunity. So that's thank how you. I would address it. Yeah, I, I, I will make the assumption that uh, suffering is synonymous with discomfort, but principle four speaks on the, the idea that nonviolence um, suffering is, is a big part of that, right? We believe that that will yield to education and change. So yeah. that's a really good question. That was a good one, Diane. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for- That was a thought stumper. <laughs> so who else? We have time for a couple of more thoughts or questions. Yeah, that just kind of um, reminded me of um, shadow work on how that might play into things. You know, when individuals um, come to a conversation or a situation and conflict arises. And uh, I, I, again, another reason I'm looking forward to the coursework uh, and uh, the six principles and how we get from um, interpersonal conflict to uh, reconciliation. Do you have any thoughts about that? or experience as far as I, I don't I didn't I honestly don't know what you said at the beginning I, I don't have a context of what you're saying at the beginning about shadows um 
Yeah, shadow work, and I, I've seen it in a different context now because I've just I've that's kind of ebbed and thro- and flowed through my life, and I never really connected with it that much. But I saw some program recently talking about shadow work as, um, you know, kind of making friends with the parts of ourself that we might not be proud of or things that we haven't been proud of before in our lives or in our family's lives or history or something like that. So that's the way I'm holding it for now. And and next year I might hold it a whole different way, but that's the way I'm looking at it. Yeah. How that stuff affects us and how it affects what we bring to the table and how we see and hear people. One of the things that that bubbles up for me is, um, you know, as I mentioned to you all, uh, my great grandfather, fought in the civil war and recently his father's will was found and um it was quite disturbing that there were some named individuals that went to each of his children that he you know he had enslaved people that he by name said when i died this person and so um it was put in a family chat and um put in a family chat with family that doesn't necessarily view nonviolence the way that I do and doesn't necessarily uh, hold the views that I hold. And uh, my head almost exploded. Like I, I was so angry and I just paused and I took about 30, 30 minutes. And I said, I believe our ancestors would be proud of the fact that one of us enslaved people and in not too many generations it's like five generations there's the only white certified trainer of nonviolence for the martin luther king center and so that was how i reframed it and uh crickets like i want y'all to know that group chat has nobody has posted in the group chat since and it's been months and it used to be kind of active i think nobody wants to maybe and you know what maybe they've started another group chat and that's blessedly fine with me as well and so um that's my own shadow work perhaps karen is uh looking at that and saying um you know it's it's confronting that so i i have no idea if that's what you were looking for but that's what bubbled up for me Hmm. yeah Hmm. so one thing i'm working Yeah, one thing I'm working on is not judging myself harshly when I fall far from the mark, right? Because that only means it takes me longer to get back up. So I'm, uh, I'm really working on that. And also the how can I say I'm nonviolent when I know this about myself, or I know that about myself. So really just claiming, yes, I believe in nonviolence, I follow that, that lifestyle. And, and, and I have some things to learn. And grow in so yeah I I study Dr. King an hour a day every day uh either a read or or you know listen to YouTube or something like that I also read the Be Love Pledge every day and um so we can drop the link um to that from our website and uh what I realize so my husband and I do our quiet time together every morning at 5 30 and we read it and what I realized unintentionally is that I had memorized it um, and so now, you know, and, and I keep it here. So when I come to my office, you know, I read it here. And it, one of the lines says, I pledge to allow love to drive my thoughts, words, decisions, and actions and honor the humanity of every individual. And if you just let that be your banner, 
that the sixth principle, whatever that is, like just keeping, you know, and our, our definition of nonviolence is that it's love centered in our thinking, speaking, engaging and acting. And at least a personal and then cultural and then societal transformation. So it goes back to that theme of it starts with me and understanding that it is a constant work in progress. And um, Kathy, if uh, if the goal is perfection, then I can't speak for Dr. Dudley, but I can certainly say that I I don't even hit it every day, <laughs> you know, and so it, it I'm a work in progress as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're all works in progress for sure. Absolutely. Speaking, speaking specifically to the personal aspect, um, and this is like the the clinically trained psychologist in me, all transformation is such a private process. And I appreciate that the methodology kind of um, that's encrypted in there, right? The personal aspects. Uh, We had a Zoom right before, we've had a long day. Uh, We had a Zoom before this with Dr. King and she spoke about uh, when people hear about nonviolence and and they decide they want to embark on this, their immediate thought is how they're going to change the world. And now you have to stop and say, wait, let's change me first. So when you speak about shadow work, just how wonderful is it that our methodology gives you privacy? You have 18 hours <laughs> to think about you and yourself first, right? Um, so that's all the time kind of to sort through some of those personal things that we're all grappling with uh, and the privacy of our own mind, which, which is something to be um, appreciative of. It's wonderful. Thank you. That's a good place to, to stop for now. Oh, okay. um, I'm going to start closing, but is there any final words from uh, Dr. Roz or Dr. Dudley that you'd like to speak or are you feeling complete? I always have extra words. <laughs> One of the things I do want to say again is that you all are family and um, I am just so excited. Uh, I know uh, Karen is going to be helping you all once you get through the course to, you know, send us your paragraphs and send us your video testimonials. And we appreciate those so very much. Um, we're going to be utilizing those in a lot of um, social media and other things and and uh, just grateful. And while I, we can't name the corporation, I also want to just, you know, hold space here for the corporation that um that you know donated the funds uh for us to be able to extend these scholarships and thank you all for your interest in that and i'm gonna turn it back over to dr dudley obviously we appreciate you guys so much uh your commitment to king and nonviolence helping us uplift the beloved community um the biggest thing that we hope that you know is that completing the training course is only the beginning um you all are part of the king center family there are plenty of opportunities to stay engaged uh, we're always looking for feedback and like dr Roz mentioned those testimonials mean so much um, because that's how we get people out in the, in the world who maybe don't understand the relevance of king and nonviolence and nv365 to agree to embark on this journey with us so we thank you guys so much wonderful Thank you so much. Oh, my heart is full and I'm going to start closing the call. Um, so to find out more about our programs, you can go to our calendar uh, on, the, on our front page, peacealliance.org. It's in the top right-hand corner. We send a weekly email on Mondays to let you know about upcoming events for the week. If you love and benefit from the programs we offer, consider donating. We're a small nonprofit active for 20 years and developing peace is more important now than ever. Uh, We wanna build our capacity to expand the work we're currently doing. 
And we want you to be in partnership with us to make that happen. So become a peace partner, donate at an amount that feels right for you because we can't do it without you. And then if you miss any of our podcasts, you can listen to them at our on our Peace on Podcast page. It's on the title bar of our website. And you could also copy and paste the link in the chat. Uh, and again, if you have not already liked us on Facebook, please go there and search for the Peace Alliance. And then Karen is going to offer a closing quote. And uh, then we'll be uh, done for the evening. We can all say bye and wave and put our hearts up. Thank you, Kathy. And thank you, everybody. And uh, yeah, I chose this before, but I really like it, the conversation that we've had about um, uh, being love and being nonviolence and and really embracing everybody in all of our imperfections along the journey and being in this together um, as part of the Peace Alliance and the King Center family. Uh, but the Internet claims that this is the most famous of Dr. King's quotes. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. That's beautiful, Karen. Thank you. Oh, so it's time to part. Um, thank you all for being here. Thank you, Dr. Dudley. Thank you, Dr. Rosner. Uh, thank you, Karen and uh, Liz and everybody on this call, Deanne, that's helped bring our organization along, uh, Judy, Gerilyn, Nancy, DJ, Lori, Haley, RJ, Jana, Kendra, Julia, everyone. Thank you. Did I say Lori? Mm -hmm. Okay. Good. We've got one more minute. Liz, did you want to say something? Yeah. Just in closing, I want to say that as I've started the training, I've been through a lot of it. The thing that really touched my heart uh, so strongly is when Dr. Bernice came. Often when she was telling stories, she referred to, to Reverend Dr. King as daddy. Mm -hmm. And what made that so powerful for me is as a, I was a history teacher. And, you know, when we talk about history, it, it, even someone like Dr. King seems so remote. And when you mm -hmm. hear her use that, that terminology of daddy, it reminds us how close in time Dr. King is. And, mm -hmm. and that just brought the work so personal into my heart. And I, that, that was profoundly moving for me. So as we embarked on that, I, that was just a reminder to me of how close in time, uh, you know, Reverend Dr. King is. And, and uh, I, it just, like I said, it, it really brought me right into the, the importance of this work on a personal level. Yes, yes. You know, Harry Belafonte died this week. Right. And uh, he was, so he played such a pivotal role on so many aspects, but particularly raising money. And one of the things that Dr. Bernie shared is that he paid for the babysit their babysitter when after Dr. King was assassinated and Mrs. King, you know, was was formulating the King Center. And of course, she had uh, men from the movement from from Dr. King's um, group of people who basically said to her, oh, Coretta, you go home and you raise your children and, and we'll handle this. And she said, no, 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 I'll handle my husband's legacy. Thank you. And then Harry Belafonte, you know, so yes, you're exactly right. Uh, Andrew Young, Ambassador Andrew Young was there today. And so, uh, yeah, these, these people are still with us. And um, and I too love it when Dr. King says that. Yeah, great. Well, thank you all. Uh, come back next month for our National Peace Builder podcast. Uh, engage in advocacy days and we will see you soon.
Good night, everybody. Thank night. you, everyone. Thank you for joining us today at Peace On. We hope that it inspires you to engage in dialogue in your larger community. Peace On is brought to you by the Peace Alliance, found at peacealliance.org.